1: Hello everybody
2: and welcome along to the podcast today, the Premier League on NBC podcast. The crew is back together and we are now just a few days <clears throat> away from actually seeing each other face to face, certainly us over here in the US and I know you chaps over there in the UK as well. Arlo White, Lee Dixon, Graham Mousseau, Robbie Musto, Carl Martino and Robbie Elger and myself, Rebecca Lowe here today. We've got a number of things, gentlemen, to get to, I'd like to, if I can, just sort of Get the flavour of your thoughts for right now, six days away from that opening game between Aston Villa and Sheffield United, followed by Man City against Arsenal next Wednesday. How everything has come to this, we've sat here on a number of occasions. Robbie Earl, I'll start with you. Project Restart yeah. is about to begin. Yeah. The timing of it, what they've put into it, yeah. and how it looks. How do you feel right now about it?
3: Feels like it's come together, Rebecca, in about the right time. We we mentioned when we started doing these podcasts about the return uh, of the Premier League and what that might look like. And we said, they're all just bad options. Let's pick the best of the bad options. Well, Project Restart has been discussed uh, with all the clubs, bringing in the players, uh, the scientists, the, the medical staff. I feel we're in a place now where it's as safe as it can be that the number of positive tests that have been shown for the amount of players, coaching staff and auxiliary staff that are going around is minimal. It feels like the players are more comfortable in it. We've seen them go back to foot from training individually to small group training to group training and contact. Now they're having competitive games. Through each stage, it feels to me as though the players have gained confidence We had the thing with home and away grounds, well that looks like it's gone away. It just feels as though we are about the right time and what was never going to be a perfect situation, but we've come to the time that we can all look forward to and I think with some confidence, try and go into Project Restart and hopefully see the end of this 2019-2020 season.
2: You talked about the mutual venues just out today, confirmation that Liverpool um, mm. and Everton will be able to play in their own grounds. The Merseyside Derby will be at Goodison Park, correct, Arlo? I think it's a Goodison yep. Park. Correct, on the first Monday, That's yeah. That's right. There was talk... So, Sunday, day. sorry, isn't it? Is it
4: Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, enough, Sunday. It? yeah, sorry, yeah.
2: Sunday yeah. afternoon for us. Yeah, there was talk it was going to have to be down at St Mary's and all sorts, but no, that has come through today that they are okay to have it at Goodison Park, which is really good news, you have to say. Lee, how are you feeling about it?
5: Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think I've been one that's been a little bit reluctant to looking too far ahead Um, in the past when we've done these podcasts and and I couldn't see it. There was a bit of fog in between the start and the hurdles as well that um, everybody had to go over. And certainly I think I'm a little bit more um, comfortable with what's going on in the next week or so. I think the uh, the Premier League, the players, the clubs, everybody concerned the medical um, the medical people have all um, reassured as best they can, and still we're in unprecedented times and we still don 't know what the outcome of this is going to be um, so there's still a little bit of trepidation, but i 'm a little bit more confident now that um the, the the restart is probably the right time. People are going starting to go back to work a little bit more. The the lockdown is easing. As again, I'm still a bit cautious about that. Are we doing it too quick? Will we see another spike, etc. Uh, but as far as the actual sport are concerned, I, I'm a lot I'm a lot a lot more happy now. I, I'm still very very concerned about the players. Um, just flipping it back into a player situation of, about the the amount of injuries that we're going to see. My son works as a strength conditioning coach. Um, I've been talking to him on a daily basis about the preparation. And we as players know the preparation you have to go through in order to get yourself into a place of uh, peak fitness. They're going to be way off that. They're going to be way off contact and they're going to be expected to go straight full back into it. So we've seen that the rise in injuries in the Bundesliga and I think it's going to be very similar here. So I'm a little bit concerned about that side of things, but as far as starting is concerned, you know, we have to start at some point and uh, next week seems about right.
2: Kyle, how about you?
1: Um, I, I I struggle with mixed emotions because there are two truths that um, I feel like I won't speak for everyone, but most of us have at the same time. One Um, Very concerned for people in this pandemic. Um, Very uh, compassionate and and cognizant about major social issues going on. And not only a pandemic that was scary, but um, another Black life lost senselessly. And a very important movement um, has created a a very um, tough and challenging time for so many people. And so it's, it's hard to be um you know for me the opening weekend i get the joy of watching uh, uh you guys uh, in that first wednesday and on friday on friday as a fan so as a fan i'm so excited to see this game uh back i'm so excited to enjoy watching it and be close to it and be able to get back to work eventually with people that i care about deeply and love working with so it's tough because i do feel like the premier league has been so thoughtful watching the the procedures taken to make sure that the grounds are safe for training and then systematically moving on to the decision of how to start the Premier League again. You know, I guess it's just those two truths can exist at the same time. You can feel a little bit of uh, discomfort and worry because there's such big issues going on um, while at the same time be so excited and, and, uh, and anticipate this great league coming back and this great game being back on the field.
2: Graham, do you think the Premier League have done a good job with, as Kyle said, slowly but surely, taking mm-hmm. steps towards where we are now?
6: Uh, yeah, I think they have. I mean, I think huge credit goes to um, what we've seen in the Bundesliga because they were the first ones to to sort of lay out the, um, I suppose, the foundations and, and the platform for other leagues um, throughout Europe and the world to follow, really. So, um, I think that made it slightly easier for for the Premier League to see how things played out once the Bundesliga started. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think in general they've handled it handled it well. I think there's some criticism uh, about you know the initial messaging and and there they looked like a few agendas were creeping in early on. But over a period of time, they got everybody aligned and um, and now everybody realizing that the priority is to, is to finish the season and. And I think you know we always say football and sport reflects broader society, and it does in this case as well, where it's a balancing act between protecting people's health, i.e. the players and the people that um, are involved on a match day, um, against the economic costs and, um, I suppose, future um, timetable of, of, of the Premier League, if it was to go on too long. And that's an unenviable task, balancing those two things. So, I think they've got it just about right. Um, I agree completely with Lee, and, and, and I feel the same that um, I think there's a little bit of for me as a player, from a player's perspective, a little bit of concern about the injury side of things and whether these players could have done with an extra week or two. I think probably they could have done, but they've acknowledged, I think, the need to stay on track with the timetable, and you know we just hope that um, you know it's a smooth. Sort of um, final nine, ten games um, for all clubs involved, and we can we can sort of finish this season um, and and look back and, and sort of I think with a little bit of relief that we got there and it didn't disrupt um,
7: you know next season.
2: Robbie, what's your overriding emotion right now?
7: Yeah, I agree with agree with everybody what what's been said. Um, I think with the testing twice a week now, and we've seen the numbers of the positive tests coming down, um, the collaboration between the government, the Premier League, and the Football Association, and the Managers Association, the PFA, it seems to have come together at the right time. Um, I think we all realise the financial implications of this pandemic and what it means for football in England. And the realisation that that we had to get it back and... You know, I'm less concerned. Well, I am concerned about players' injuries, but that's not that's not the most important thing, is it? Right now, I mean, yes. In an ideal world, you give them an extra two or three weeks, but given the consequences and given the um, the financial implications of it delaying, 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 I think it's been brought back the best possible way with the training grounds and the football clubs running it as you'd expect. I think was it Graham made the point about the Bundesliga. I mean, that first weekend. With them coming back and it kind of going according to plan was incredibly huge for the sport. Really, if there would have been a problem or 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 a spike in in cases amongst the players, it could have risked everything. So that, you know, thankfully came through okay. And the, and the the Premier League and everybody in England has kind of followed on the back of that with the timeline. And the National Health Service, that that of course did a remarkable job in the UK. It seems like with the, the, the control somewhat of the virus, they will be no resources to be taken away from the, the NHS to to help protect the vulnerable people in the UK. That, of course, you can never be absolutely sure that it's not going to be safe because we're, we're not. They're not asking their players to stay away during this six weeks. They will be going back with their families. So, of course, there is an element of risk. But I think as much as possible... I feel um, pretty confident that they've done it the right way and the timing is, is, is about right.
2: Arlo, it did feel like a number of weeks ago when we sat here, there were just so many questions, one of which Robbie Mosso mm-hmm. just touched on there. You know, will the player stay away and how are they going <laughs> to deal with um, if a player tests positive? All those things. Is it, do you think, Arlo, now six days away, a case that we have as many answers as we possibly can at this stage and therefore it's safe to move forward?
4: Yes, as safe as it possibly can be. There are no 100% guarantees. I think it's been, if you look back, I think it was probably a lockdown of two halves for the Premier League. The first half was a little bit like the Wild West. It was clubs... Uh, voicing their own self interest. Um, there were doubts about when it was going to happen because I, I guess that reflected a lot of confusion about the, the, the virus itself, how long lockdown was going to go on. People were saying that you're bringing back football too soon and it's purely financial, etc. And then I think it, around about the time of the Bundesliga return, and it seemed to focus a lot of minds. Um, and ever since then, I've been very impressed. I think Richard Masters has taken the helm very effectively and I've been really impressed with the clubs and the way that they have responded to it and they've completely altered their work patterns, their workflows, their training grounds have altered beyond all recognition. I know Rebecca you've spoken to to Jürgen Klopp and a few of the managers, I've spoken to uh, Mikel Arteta today, Sean Dyche, who else have I spoken to recently? Quite a number: Brendan Rodgers, uh, Chris Wilder, and and all of them are infused by what their clubs have done. And yes, okay, these are not ideal working conditions, but they're getting on with it. And everybody said that the players couldn't wait to get back. Um, I think the the amount of the positive tests reflects how safe the training ground environments are. I agree with Robbie Musto that you know when you're when you're leaving it's not a biosphere that's been created they're going home to their families they may be socializing within the new lockdown measures we'll see how that goes going forward um, but I think it's as safe as it can possibly be um, which has encouraged the likes of Troy Deeney and N'Golo Kante to go back to training because there has been um, a huge issue in terms of, 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 of in England it's called BAME uh, black Asian minority ethnic uh, death rates were a lot higher so I think N'Golo Kante, Troy Deeney, a couple of other players were concerned about that and had, had to be reassured and they clearly have been in, in terms of going back. So um, you look the world is a very very different place to the one that we that we left three months ago um, echoing what Kyle has said you know thousands of people have died or been affected by this virus. The Black Lives Matter movement has has hopefully profoundly changed the way we talk about racism forever um, and then we come back with football. So it's placed in its, in its perspective and in its context. But I think as football fans, uh, you guys, former players, us as broadcasters now, I think we're all genuinely excited to pick it up again. Um, but understanding where it, where it stands in the, in the grand scheme of things at the moment.
2: Well, Arlo and Carl both mentioned the movement Black Lives Matter, um, and it's something we have to discuss. Many people have had these discussions over the past couple of weeks, which of course is a good thing. They're not always an easy discussion, especially not on a podcast with six white people mm. and one black person. So Robbie Earl, because you're the only person on this podcast who actually has felt mm. what it is like to have lived as a black person Your whole life, both in the United Kingdom, of course, and in the United States. I'm going to ask you first. Can you explain to us, because we want to listen and we want to learn, and and if anyone out there who has still not listened to your podcast with Robbie Musto, they must. Um, It's brilliant broadcasting and very educational. Explain to us the significance to you of what is happening right now with this movement.
3: Um. Probably for the first time that I can remember being on both sides of the pond, Rebecca, there seems to be a collective um, drive to find some equality, so so, some level out the injustices that have happened to black people. And in the past, we've had Black Lives Matters hashtags. We've had maybe a Black Lives Matters day or maybe Black History Month would would fall into that. But what we seem to be getting now, and I'll I'll say it in the the way that it explains it best, we're having a, a, a situation where people are understanding what black life is 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so for most people, what was really interesting for me around this time, Rebecca, was... A lot of my my close white friends, and I include many people who are on this podcast, reached out to me, A, to see if I was okay over recent weeks, and B, to just kind of apologize for not understanding some of the things maybe that that you go through on a day-to-day basis. Just wanting to start having some of those, and you've mentioned it, uncomfortable conversations. Conversations where people are going to be slightly embarrassed by what hasn't been happening in the past. But I'll try and explain to you what what a black life in reality is. And and I'm only slightly conflicted because as Robbie Earle, I'm seen as a slightly different black person than I am when I'm in my sweats, in my hoodies, walking around in the neighborhood. But just for the the point of getting my point across, a black life means, Rebecca, that probably... I would say once a week, for sure, if not more. You walk into a room and you see something what I call the nudge. You'll see somebody go, ooh. And then I'll watch and smile to myself and then you'll see a group of people like turn their head and look at me. You know what's going on. Probably once a week, I will walk down the street and somebody, will be walking at me and I smile to myself and think, what the odds? And they'll cross over the road, they'll walk a bit past me and then they'll cross back. Happens once a week. Those are the kind of things that happen in a a black life. If if you're not black, you you don't notice. Me and Robbie Musto have been out on occasions when I've seen the nudge, and Robbie Musto would have had no, no no clue. And it's not a conversation I would have with Robbie Musto, but maybe now, because of Black Lives Matters, is a conversation I would have. I might just say to him, do you know what? That was a Black Lives Matter moment right then. And he'll say what? And I'll say, oh, the nudge, the people behind, have a look. And, and, and those are the things that happen. that You learn to accept as a black person. But, but what I do believe now, and for the first time in my life, it's as though people of all colours are starting to understand and accept that and and want to make change back of it. And because of that, because of where we are, because of this global movement, I do feel uh, more hopeful than I have in the past that things can change.
2: That's a really, really interesting description. And actually, Mm -hmm. uh, it's a simple way of explaining that I've never heard anyone explain before what it's like to live in your skin. How Mm -hmm. does that nudge Mm -hmm. or that crossover make you feel?
3: Um, I've almost become, I've got an armour on, i I I talked about once on the thing, you've got a mask on, I'll still smile and have a a joke with Robbie Musto, but that's the ingrain, that's the stereotype, that's the thing that that people, that's the bit we've got to address, that's the bit that people sometimes probably don't even know they're doing.
7: Maybe you tell me, Rob, maybe you should tell me. Well, if we're yeah, together well, and you notice something, that, just, that, just tell me.
3: That is, Robin, and we've, we've talked about it. That is part of what I'm going to start to do. Yeah. I heard a phrase, and John Barnes, I wish I had picked himself. John Barnes came up with a brilliant phrase. And John Barnes was the iconic black footballer back in the time who moved to Liverpool during the, the, the late 80s, early 90s, and, and was one of the first prominent black players at Liverpool. And you have the iconic picture of the banana being thrown on the pitch and, and John Barnes kicking it away. And, you know, for those who don't know, John Barnes was like, was, you know, Thierry on me of his day or Obamia. I mean, he was top class um, in, in all ways. And John Barnes used a phrase and he said, that banana that was sewn up, me was easier to deal with than the sort of, um, what did the word it? The blind bananas that happen in life. The blind bananas are the nudges and the people walking over the road. And, the, and, and you're going into a, a major store, and the security guy seems to be 10 yards behind you. and then you walk up the stairs to go and buy a present us for somebody, and you look around, and the security guy's 10 yards behind you. Those are the, the kind of invisible bananas that you have to put up with in life, and those are the things that are uncomfortable that you've learned to accept. But as Robbie Musto said, I'm going to start to have those conversations with my friends, or before we go into a store, before we go into a bar, I'll say, look out for the nudge, Musto and see if he noticed it. Because that's only then will people start to appreciate what black lives 24 hours a day, seven days a week, really mean.
2: Well, if you're listening to this podcast, you'll know we're coming back on air next Wednesday, and we will be talking about this movement next Wednesday in our pre-game show before the first ball is kicked in Project Restart. Lee, I'll come to you. You're over there in London. Do you, the solidarity that's been shown in the UK um, has been evident if you've been across the news over here in the US, which of course is very welcome. It's a difficult conversation for us to have because I can't ask you any of those things I've just asked Robbie. And I'm sitting here thinking, what can I ask Lee? And what I'm wanting to know from you is, do you think having witnessed racism in the game and as we all have over the years, racism in this world, do you think this feels different?
5: Yeah, I, I really do, I think. And, you know, the way that Robbie described that, I mean, I, I've played with an awful lot of black players throughout my career. No one's ever been as articulate to describe that, or actually, maybe I've not taken the time to listen and actually ask the questions that would have got the answer that, that Robbie's just described. We've got no idea that those things, you know, as, as Robbie Musto said, those nudges and those things are happening. Um, but there does there does feel a difference over here right now. There's 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 a that that movement that's going on. We've we've seen it before. We've seen racism in the game. We've seen Raheem Sterling dealing with it with a you know in an incredible brave way, coming out and making. Um, brilliant intelligent speeches about it and then then it kind of football carries on life carries on and you can feel it kind of just drifting away again the noticing those things and the 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 media attention on it but I think this time I'm really hopeful that 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 it's not like that and it carries on and it builds and it does feel like there's something building and that that has to be a you know a good thing And, and I think that we're in a privileged position that we get to to watch all these games and broadcast on these games. And, and we're in a position to be able to carry that message and keep that message going. Um, and I, and I'm, I'm really touched with what Robbie said, that I've known Robbie a long time and I've never, I've never heard that description of, of that. Um, and it's, and it's, it's a really poignant message from him that he's had to deal with that all of his life.
2: Something that we just we just can't understand. Kyle, interestingly, Lee there said that he'd never heard another black player he played with explain that or maybe he'd never thought to ask. And I think that that's what we're all guilty of. We don't we don't think to ask because it doesn't enter our head because we don't have to face it but actually asking those questions and listening to be uncomfortable, because it is uncomfortable what Robbie just said, because I can't believe we live in a world where Robbie has to deal with that. And to be able to listen to him so that we're then educated is all part of this movement. There are lots of facets. And I feel like the listening and the educating Kyle has to be for you, for somebody like you and somebody like myself, the absolute number one priority. Does it not?
1: It it is. and, And, um, you know, I think we're all um, those that have not seen the nastiness or, or, or been present with a friend that experienced it um, or had it directed at them. We're all culpable for um, allowing in an environment where Robbie and other friends of mine that I've played with are asked to put on that armor or put on that mask and, and to have to be on the other side of, of vitriolic, um, just abhorrent behavior that by the way is is not what you're born with these are learned behaviors where a lot of this becomes normalized unless we, we we absolutely stand up and unite and say that you will not witness it you you will not be around and and allow any of the the things that are being discussed happening in your presence um, and it starts with educating yourself. And so, you know, and I've been with Robbie hearing um, and seeing how brave he is in the fight he's been having for a very long time to use his his profile to try and do what he can. But, but it, it, it really hit me so hard one day in the studio when Robbie came to tears through a frustration that he didn't feel that, that we were gaining any ground. So um, as sad as is the reality is that we're in a generation now where where that is still happening, where people are crossing the street, as Robbie was just saying, um, you, you find a sense of, of of hope in feeling the change right now, the paradigm shift, and the timing of sport coming back is an important one because sport is one of the greatest social justice instruments out there, but it tends to not be a place where people welcome. These sort of stories and this type of messaging, and to see already the demonstrations across the world, German players when the Bundesliga started back up, um, I saw the Arsenal team when they all took a knee at practice in Liverpool t- doing the same. you know sport as a pulpit and and Kaepernick used it in a way that created a big discussion that some didn't want to have, weren't ready to have, and still are not ready to have but I think right now um what's clear is the discussion's not going away. W- this will stay uncomfortable for as long as it needs to until everyone doesn't have to understand because some people will never understand what Robbie's been through and others have been through. But what they need to understand is that if we don't all stand up and we don't begin to educate ourselves and say that we won't we won't put up with it even though we're not the ones that are being targeted because of our skin color it will never change. So I, 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 it does fill me with hope, even though it's an, a, still such an awful reality that it's going on in, in this modern day. But it fills me with hope that I'm noticing what Robbie's noticing is that th- this is different. It's, it's different. I hope that we don't fatigue in this great fight to, to eradicate racism.
4: Yeah, Thanks, if I might just add um, football's role in this. I mean, we, we talk about sport being the great distraction. We don't need to distract about from this moment in, in history. This is a very important moment to live through, to focus on, and not, and not be steered off the course. But we can enjoy the sport that we all love. I think football plays a massively important role because you've got young men who are not in their own echo chambers. They're in multicultural dressing rooms. And if anybody is as well adjusted to, to that life and to, to the mixing of cultures and races... It's young football players, and I'm really impressed with the way that they, they are reacting to this. Carl mentioned that the players in Germany with the Black Lives Matter T-shirts, I think it was Eintracht Frankfurt had it on the front of the shirt. There's talk of the Premier League teams having it on the backs of their shirts as well. And when I see modern footballers interact with each other, and, and in, in your guys' day as well, no, the, the, colour doesn't seem to matter. Now, there must be, you know, an element of, of white footballers in every league who maybe harbour some racist views uh, and maybe they, they suppress them. But it seems to me that it's almost a blind situation. Now, the terraces, that's a different matter altogether and that needs addressing. And that's part of what hopefully we're going to, to travel towards with this movement as it, as it gathers momentum. Um, but if I were to talk about race relations... Um, at the moment, one of the first people I'd speak to would be a a young footballer, be black or white, about successfully mixing together. Because we live in social media echo chambers, it seems to be at the moment, when your voice, whatever you agree from from the people that from from your particular race or your particular city or your particular town, whatever it might be, just echoes back to you. I think football has a very important role to play, and we'll see how – the players, And I think they'll do it in a very conformed, not conformed, what's the word I'm looking for? Unified way. Um, when, when the players will speak to each other, the captains will speak to each other. And I think we're going to see something coordinated is the word I'm looking for across the league when it starts next Wednesday. Um, and I think it's, you know, without trying to speak too highly of them or, uh, or predicting what they're going to do, I think it's going to make a lot of people very proud.
2: You mentioned the back of the shirts. The news out today is that for the first round of games, so as far as I can see, that would be the Wednesday, the Friday, the Saturday, Sunday, the Monday, I would have thought, um, names on the back of the shirts will no longer be there and they will have the three words Black Lives Matter. They'll also have, I think, the emblem on the front of the shirts as well as the NHS emblem as well. Um, That's a really interesting point, Arlo. Graham, there will be a lot of pride with players speaking up. Do you believe, having been a player and knowing... power that can hold do you believe they have real power to help make this movement not only bigger but last longer and then make change footballers I mean
6: well yeah I mean they can they can light the fires can't they because of the platforms that they have um but ultimately and sadly for me you know it's it's tragic to hear you know what Robbie has gone through and and um uh, you know, the the way he explained it so eloquently as as, as Lee said is um makes it even more sad that, that it's a it's a regular occurrence in this day and age. But you know, for me that the, the issue, you know, it goes goes through so many layers of society, you know, um all the way from opportunity to people being downtrodden, um, pigeonholed at early age and i i think you can you know it's all right to start the conversation it's what what meaningful actions result and i think that's the key to this if we want real change then there's got to be some real meaningful um action taken by people in power not just people with status and sports people can do their bit they can start the conversation um but you know on on a personal level you know we can only do what i hope we've always done whenever is stand up for people when they're being singled out for being different. Um, I've always done that all my life. Um, I would never sit by and let somebody be abused for whatever reason. I would always stand up. Um, and you fight the system, you know, the system was rigged far more 30 years ago in England than it is now, but there's still many flaws in in the system. And, um, you know, it's how, We can change the system to give people real equality, real equality of opportunity um, and the chance to 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 really fulfill their potential without any prejudice.
2: Robbie Musto, you did the podcast I mentioned, the Two Robbies podcast this week. As I say, just another plug for that, because it's really excellent. Once you have that conversation with Robbie and you know him probably better than any of us on this call how do you feel now about the situation in terms of your role in this movement?
7: Well, it's a great question, Rebecca, and I'm pleased you asked that because I think it makes all of us uh, think more about those nudge moments. Now, granted, I'm not going to see the subtle nudge moments that Rob Hill sees, and, I, and I, you know, I'm not going to. I just wonder you know, if everybody on this call, apart from Rob, of course, you know, when we're in our teams and stuff, whether whether we did we do enough? And it's good to hear what Graham, you know, Graham's talking about it. Did did we do enough? Did we make enough fuss when we saw some nudge moments, some more blatant ones? Did we, as me as an individual, or my team, or my club when I was playing, did we do enough about it? Do we all do enough about it when we see stuff that happens? That that you know, we talk about it a little bit, then it all seems to go away. I I mean, that's what that's what I I hope it's changed me to think that that I'd stand up more and, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't accept it and I wouldn't just let it forget about it. And, and I wouldn't just think to my teammates, you know, oh, they're getting stick again, look, you know, it's, it's horrible. And then you get on with your job. I just wonder if we've done enough, all of us. And, I, and something like this makes me, makes me question whether, you know, from, from from years ago, whether we just overlooked this a little bit thinking it's their issue, you know, it's horrible and we didn't do enough. So that's the first thing I, I think of Rebecca <clears throat> um, I think, like everybody said, I think on the protest side of it, another thought I've had, you know, Jaden Sancho lifting up his shirt and he's got, you know, like like handwritten, uh, you know, uh, George Floyd stuff there. It just, and, and I'm so pleased what Arlo says about there's going to be more, I mean, more official. Like, it seems like an underground movement to try and uh, complain and, and make a protest. Like, he's having to lift his shirt up and, like, it's a secret... It just seems like crazy. Like it, it, it shouldn't be an underground, personal kind of protest, which it is. But it should be bigger than that now, shouldn't it? It should be where the players have, have you know, official shirts and of all. I don't know something that's more official, that's more accepted, that's more that that's that's more important than a player having to write a blimming You know, it just feels like it's that. I mean, I know it is powerful, but it still feels, my goodness, like he's having to write a message. We should be standing up more than that. Um, that's another thought I've had. And when Raheem Sterling talked recently, and I think Graham alluded to it, it, is, it does feel different. It does feel like a remarkable worldwide protest. And it's happening all over the world, by the way. I'm sure you've all seen that in, in all countries. Um, it, it, it's it's like, but well, what are those things that are going to change? And that's why Ryan Sterling was interested. He doesn't he doesn't he appreciates the reaction. He appreciates all the hashtags and all the messages and everything else. But he wants real change. And I think that's where football can look at itself in terms of what it can do. And I know there's been talk of this Rooney Rule, where more black coaches should be represented with football clubs. There's all the stats out there about. I think it's thirty percent players playing in the in English football, I think, uh, a black or a mixed race or whatever, uh, and yet it's a tiny percentage in coaching and management. Same with hierarchy, same with uh, football clubs, of, of the football association, everything else. It's this representation, and when that changes, and when more people are given opportunities and chances, then surely the the, the bigger, the, 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 the image of, you know, uh, uh, the BMA player, uh, people in these positions will hopefully make people realise of the more quality and, and the way that they should be looked at instead of it being you know so I'm, what I'm trying to say is actions speak louder than words or protests and Ryan Sterling was was absolutely bang on where he's seen it before maybe not as powerful as this but but what are the real metrics that we can start to help to move that will help the bigger picture at a given time
1: yeah. Um, real quick, Must uh, uh, the the phrase I keep hearing, which you made me think of again, is it, it's not good enough to not be racist. We, we we must all be anti-racist. I mean, you 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 have to. Now you're talking, and Graham did as well. It's got to go all the way up to legislation, and people that 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 um, have the levers need to know it's not going to be good <clears throat> enough anymore. That that um, you know, you 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 get by without being one of these awful people. It has to be you know eradicating an environment that allows um ideas and beliefs to metastasize to become cultural norms.
2: Hmm. Rubiel I want to just finish with you um <coughs> do you feel in this moment and in these last two or so weeks do you now feel heard
5: Really good question. Um, yeah.
2: Good.
3: For the first time, when you see pictures around the world of what's going on, you kind of feel like people are, people are prepared to listen for the first time. People look to me like prepared to be part of the conversation. This conversation shouldn't be all black people, it shouldn't be all white people. It's got to be a mix. And, and you know, the group of friends that I'm, I'm talking to here are empathetic or intelligent or understanding who who know what, what's going on in the world. There's other people who are none of those things who we've got to try and bring along the journey with us as, as well. But, but what gives great hope, Rebecca, and when you say is, um, do I feel heard? I think When you look at the makeup of people who've been protesting around the world, it's been people of every denomination. Black, white, brown, all genders, all classes, different backgrounds. It feels to me as though there's a collective movement. I've seen companies who are putting money, resources behind, saying we're going to be part of this movement. We've seen NASCOB, things happening in there. Talking about taking away the Confederate flag. We saw the, the golf this morning. Players taking a, a, a knee for eight minutes. Uh, eight forty six. The eight minutes forty six minutes that George Floyd was, was had a, a knee on his neck. We, we're seeing sports and people that we haven't seen before joining this movement, if that continues, and it is about continuing, it's about keeping the energy, it's about now not stopping, it's about, it's now taking it to the next level, taking it to the people who can make changes, who are sitting in high office, at federations, it's at state level, at city level. It's about those things that are gonna be important and we'll start to then see change back. We've gotta see change where it can be measured, it can be checked, it can be improved. Those are the times when we won't be having this conversation because the, w- those things will be naturally in place and have a an natural position in society.
2: It's funny, Robbie, because over the years, we've often had to talk about racism on the show and we've often had the estu devon which I wish we didn't have to talk about this, but actually, yeah. I'm, I'm glad we're now having conversations and as Robbie Musto said, it's about making practical changes, things that we can all grasp hold of, seeing actual ideas and... Um, uh, practices that are happening in front of our eyes that will ch- make those changes and, and have them long-lasting. And as Lee Dixon said, to ensure that this does not drift away like it, I'm afraid it has so many times before. But this does feel different. It's a positive for all of us. We will continue this conversation on Wednesday when, of course, the Premier League returns um, make sure you join us for that. It's going to be an exciting day. It's going to be a poignant day. We have a lot of subject matter to cover in that pregame show. Robbie Mustard and Robbie L will join me on the set in the studio for that. So Robbie L, thank you. Thank you for explaining. Thank you for educating. This today has been one Thanks, small sir. step. I hope it's been a bigger step for people listening, for people watching as well. And we can all move forward more together than ever before until Wednesday. Thank you for listening to the premier league on NBC podcast. Gentlemen, I shall see some of you with my very own eyes. I shall be able to talk to others down a a line and as Lee Dixon is showing us on his shirt to end this podcast, be bloody kind. It doesn't say bloody. I put that in. (laughs) Be kind. Thank you guys. Lots of love. Take care. Okay.
7: Take care. Cheers guys.